Hello, and uh, this is not the Vorthos cast. This is uh, just Chris Delano, and I'm here with uh, a friend of mine. Hello. Do you want to introduce yourself? It is me, the friend. My name is Ichao. And uh, Ichao, as some of our listeners are probably familiar with you, we, we've, we've had you on a, a special bonus episode before. Uh, you're, you've been around in the circles of the Vorthos community for a while now. Do you want to say who you are, what you've done, and, and what you're doing now? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, uh, once upon a time, worked at Wizards of the Coast on Magic the Gathering Story. Uh, and in the time since then, I've uh, worked on a couple other things, including a little time at Riot, which I believe that was the last time uh, I was on Vorthos cast, was talking about League of Legends lore as a little bonus episode. Uh, but Yeah, you're the one who got me addicted to League of Legends. I'm sorry, um, and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, since then, though, I've gotten to work at a couple other cool places, uh, including Phoenix Labs, uh, and uh, I'm actually going to be heading out on an exciting new project from there. So, uh, But these days, I am just a horribly lapsed Magic Vorthos nerd who recently said, Chris, what is happening in Magic Story? It's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> So that was when I asked you what the most like recent magic story you could remember was. And I think you told me War of the Spark. And that, <laughs> that put a little bit of uh, dread in my heart because I knew that if I had to explain everything from Lord of the, War of the Spark forward, we'd be, um, we're going to have a little bit of trouble. Did, you know, did a few things but, happen in that time? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, a, a few things, a few things. Um, pretty startling. It's only been like, I don't know four years or so and it's been uh, a lot yeah, um, yeah and to be fair uh my one my memory is terrible so that helps uh in that like i think i re i remember less of what i remember and as you say things things might come back to me um uh, but yeah that is true the last thing i remember very clearly is i know i know the ending of war of the spark kind of where things left off but a quick refresher might be great and i feel like oh yeah that's a pretty you know, clean cut end of a major arc and then start of the next one. So may this should be a easy little summary, right? Right. Very brief, very light. Well, I'm looking at my I'm looking at my outline uh -huh. uh, and it's not finished <laughs> um, and I'm on page five. Mm. Uh, so we're going to get started. Right. Um, the goal of this episode, by the way, for our listeners, people who are enjoying this moment, uh, <laughs> I am just trying to get Yi Chao caught up. I am probably going to be wrong about some things, and I'm going to leave a lot out because there's things you don't need to know about. Um, <laughs> I will just tell you, actually, the first few sets we're going to talk about are basically unimportant, Oof. but I'm going to talk about them anyways. Okay. Um, because so War of the Spark, you know how that ended. Gideon is dead, yes, right? And I'm making this clear. He's dead, dead. He's not coming back. No. Okay. He does not come back in any of these stories. This is not a comic book thing. He's dead. Um, Bolas is not dead. No. So far irrelevant, probably irrelevant forever, but I do need to mention that because uh, Jace Bellerin is the only person who knows he's not dead. Because he like hid him and stuff. So like that could be relevant, but probably not. Hasn't been relevant yet. Um, kind of small relevant thing. Liliana goes into hiding because everyone hates her. Kind of, you know, makes sense. She did lead a zombie army. Uh, Chandra and Nissa broke up or something at some point during this. I don't. I just you need to know about that. Um, sure. It's a, it's oh, a relevant I, thing. I am keenly, painfully aware. Um, and uh, Tezzeret, as you remember, survived all this. 
Uh, and he had that planar bridge thing that was in his arm. He moves it to his like torso mm. at some point. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so he has the ability to like use that planar bridge thing that Bolas used to like put all of his army on Ravnica. Um, and he can use it wherever he goes. So like he's a walking portal gun. Seems fine. Um, it seems fine, especially since Tezzera is an upstanding, trustworthy yeah. individual, yeah. right? He won't be up to He's anything. never going to do anything. Sus. Yeah. Um, also, there was another novel called Forsaken, and we're not talking about it. That's fair. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, they kind of fell into these, like, four sets in a row where, like, wasn't really sure what was going on in the plot. So I'm just going to kind of rush through them and tell you if there's anything important mm. about them. Uh, the first one was uh, Eldraine. You probably heard that it like broke every format in in Magic. It was really powerful cards, but the story was really good. It was like this fairy tale land. Um, this was the origin story of Rowan and Will. If you remember them from Battle Bond, oh, I'm familiar with Rowan and Will. Yeah, they're really cool. Uh, this is their like origin story. This actually takes place after War of the Spark, but before Battle Bond. Mm-hmm. So Battle Bond was actually like set kind of in the future. Um, anyways, uh, this whole story was really good, but it was told in a novella. So like people had to pay like five bucks for it on, and it was only on Kindle. And so like no one read it. Ah. So I could tell you anything (laughs) happens. No one would know. Um, all right, wait, tell me one true thing that happened and one thing that you absolutely fabricated, but wished was true. And then we'll just leave listeners confused. Okay true thing that happens in the story that uh is kind of wild is that um someone literally gets turned into an elk <laughs> so like you know how oko's card right. turns things yeah. into elks yeah yeah this actually happens to someone oh. they get turned into an elk in the story he promises um another wild thing that happens garrick takes a bath oh, oh that's the that's much more unbelievable um actually both of those are true <laughs> so garrick uh garrick is in the story he's just on eldraine and oko like catches him and it's like you're my dog now he literally calls him a dog though wow, um dude. there's a weird weird tension there um Listen. but it's a good story uh and garrick is like under his mind control and at some point he falls into the cauldron of eternity which is this like magical youth immortality water um and it just ends up cleansing garrick of all the corruption that happened from like liliana like 20 years ago or whatever uh so they finally were like hey we're gonna clean garrick's storyline up um (laughs) but it happened in this novella that no one read excellent literal a literal bath i like it uh it's really good though it's written by um kate elliott who is just an incredible author yeah, so highly recommend it if you want to read some, like, standalone magic story. Um, and then the next set is a Coria, uh, Layer of Behemoths, which is the kaiju battles, like, kaiju yeah. world that they created. Okay. It's really cool. Um, also a novella that, like, no one read, but it is a really good novella. I loved it. It's called Sundered Bond. Huge appreciator of it. I think it's incredible. It's written by Jingo Wexler, who is very talented. Yeah, big um, so uh, this story introduced Luca, who is a dick, uh, slash, he's just a bad person. Oh, no. um, he's like a cop 
and then also he's like a monster. <laughs> um, so like in addition to being a cop, uh, but no, he's like a guy who's like trained to hunt down monsters and also people who like bond with monsters. And then he accidentally bonds with a monster. Um, oh, so he ends up being a fascist. Yeah. Wait, so when he bonded with monsters, clearly he just built a lot of empathy for the people he used to hunt and then became a, a nice oh. guy, right? Like that's. Oh, no. Remember, I told you he's a cop. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so he just bonds with monsters and then uses them as weapons. Oh, um, cool dude. Yeah. He's not a cool dude. He's a very bad guy. But uh, you know, anyway, I sure hope something politically <laughs> justice like happens to him later on he justice happens um eventually it's gonna be a while before we get oh, there no. <laughs> uh, vivian is part of the story vivian reed um yeah if you remember her she shoots animals out of her bow yeah she tries to help luca and then realizes that he's a lost cause and then she fights him nice uh, at the end of the story luca becomes a planeswalker and uh, yeets off into the multiverse so setting the stage yeah a, Setting the stage for uh, Luca to be a villain elsewhere. Love it. Uh, which happens really soon. We'll get there. Nice. Anyways. Hey. Um, Payoffs. Then we had Theros Beyond Death, which is Elspeth's big return. Uh, she's in the underworld and she escapes. Nice. With the help of, kind of like with the help of Ashiok. Okay. Um, Ashiok is like giving her nightmares while she's down there. And she like ends up wielding the nightmares and turning like finding a way to use them as weapons against Heliod. Um, I could tell you more, but this this one's not a novella. It's not actually a story at all. Uh, so they planned for this to be a novella and then cut it at the last minute. Um, so there is no story for Theros Beyond Death. Got it. We have like a little paragraph story summary on the website. Um, Bless the copywriter who gave us this gift. Oh, yeah. Um, I appreciate it. Someone someone took the time to write out stuff so that we wouldn't be too confused. But yeah, Elspeth gets out, traps Heliod under a rock, um, uses the power of belief against him. It's pretty cool. Uh, then we go to Zendikar Rising, and uh, this is the big return to web fiction. Um, so they realized that novellas weren't working out, and so now they're doing online web fiction again, which is great. Hey. Uh yeah, love some online web fiction. I think it's really cool that people write that. Um, anyways, uh, there's like a lot of character stuff in this story, but we still haven't found like a real plot yet. Um, Jace goes to Zendikar to like check on Nyssa and see what she's been up to because she like left the Gatewatch and stuff. Right. Um, apparently in Forsaken, she like took the vow again, but I I don't, didn't, I didn't read it. I don't Forsaken. know. What, no. Right, that's the, um, okay. <laughs> no. Okay. So so Jace goes to check on her and uh he runs into Nahiri. Hey. If you remember her from committing genocide. Wait, um, no, what? <laughs> on on Innistrad, oh. she like brought uh, Eldrazi to like kill everyone. Yes. I'm sorry. That's Yeah, when yeah. she got real angry and was like Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, it's fine. She's on Zendikar again and she's um definitely not looking to commit genocide. Now she's just trying to like find this old a core artifact that would let her um, destroy all the life on the plane. Oh, um, so, so it's like she wants to turn the Royal off on Zendikar and like ends up finding a device that definitely turns the Royal off, but also like kills all the plant life and elementals. Hmm. Um, 
So she's kind of uh, getting ready to commit another genocide, but uh, Nissa stops her. Jace kind of screws up by trying to like help both of them. Oh no, both sides Jace. No. Yeah. He's like, oh, Nahiri has a point. But also Nissa is correct in every way. Um, (laughs) Nissa ends up winning the conflict. Uh, Wow. Jace kind of like sours his relationship with her a little bit. Um, And he learns an important lesson that uh, he should stop trying to play both sides. You know, that's Um, a good lesson to learn. Yeah. Uh, And then finally we get plot. All right. So, yeah. You know that this is all leading up to Phyrexia, I'm sure, because you've seen everything. Yes. Um, Also, this was the first hint. plans Mm -hmm. so far in advance that as I was uh, leaving, the seed was planted of Phyrexia next villain question mark i think that was on a whiteboard and so that's that's like that's the seed of the thing i knew so all right exciting here we go uh well it's funny you mentioned seeds because seeds come up two times in the call time story um so uh this story follows kaya which is really cool hey because she ghost girl she yeah she was there in war of the spark and was like a really important part of that but like she didn't have her own like set and this is kind of like her big story um, she's hired by some mysterious person she doesn't know who to go to call time and kill a monster. Um, she doesn't really know anything about the monster. Uh, she goes there. Do you know anything about call time? Were you there for any of the like? I played the draft world building in pre-release. Cool. <laughs> so like call time is like a little tiny mini multiverse where there's like ten different realms. Because, of course, 10, that's like a really convenient number for there to be. Oh, wow, weird, yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, There's 10 different realms, and they're all connected by this, like, cosmic world tree that, like, allows for, like, some travel between the realms if you're, like, a god. And there's gods on Kaldheim who, like, drink the sap of the world tree so that they can, like, travel between the different realms very easily. Um, And, like, sometimes other people can travel between realms if they're, like particularly savvy and stuff. Um, And then sometimes the realms bump into each other and that's like really bad because you can imagine like the demon realm bumps into the realm of shapeshifters and, you know, not a fun time. Um, Kaya meets an elf there named Tyvar, who's pretty cool. He's like a little himbo. Um, He's a a planeswalker. Okay. Okay. He's, he's a planeswalker, but doesn't realize it because he, he's on Kaldheim where like there's just different realms and they know that. So he doesn't realize he planeswalks to Zendikar and doesn't realize he's in another plane. Ah, a realm previously undiscovered. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Um, He's a sweet I'm sweet, sweet but I punch things and head empty. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh, So Kaya and and Tyvar team up because uh, they run into Tybalt, who's here. Yeah, boy. And Tybalt's causing a whole bunch of chaos. Yeah. Um, He's breaking the world. He's also breaking formats. Uh, He's got like two (laughs) cards with a name on them in this set, and they both broke formats. They had to do a rules change. Wait, what? What's the rules change? I missed that part. I remember seeing Uh, the card. They had to do a rules change. Uh, The the problem was that um, this set also introduced modal double face cards where you could cast either side of the card, right? Um, Or no, those were in Zendikar Rising, too. No, yes. But they were all lands. Mm -hmm. But in this case, one of them. The cards could be spells on both sides. That's right. Uh, so Tybalt had uh, a front side that was a creature and a back side that was a planeswalker. And the planeswalker costs like seven mana and the creature costs two. Right. 
And so they had to like update the rules to say, if you can cast a spell for free, that's like mana value three or less, you can only cast the creature side of that card. Uh... You can't play the seven one. <laughs> You know, because people were cheating in seven mana Tibbles Casually off of cascading. spells that let them cast. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exciting. Good job, Tibble. It's 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 nice to see his glow up from his two mana. I don't do anything days. You know. Oh yeah, and then he he had like a spell that also like did something that let you like cast a spell for free off of your library. It was it was two mana. It was ridiculous. Anyways, he's here. He's causing a lot of trouble. Um. They find out that he's been also kind of hired to come here and cause trouble, but like not really hired because um, the monster that Kaya is is hunting is named Vorinclex. Do you know who Vorinclex is? Yeah, Are you familiar? Um, no. <laughs> he's he's one of the Phyrexian Praetors That's from New right. Phyrexia. Okay. I have seen various iterations uh, of his card. I should have known that. Yeah. Uh, Tezzeret was using the Planar Bridge and like yeeted him to Kaltheim. Um. Because apparently, even though like organic stuff cannot survive the blind eternities, because uh, it'll just kind of like rip you right. to shreds, uh, Phyrexians are like mostly metal. Oh no! So Uh-oh. it worked out. Um, Phyrex Vorinclex was able to like put himself back together on Kaldheim, mm. uh, and he was there to steal a seed from the World Tree. Uh, See the seed. The seed. Um, yeah. Uh, there was also another seed in the story because uh, Tybalt mentions that he's there causing chaos because uh, Vorinclex put a seed in him <laughs> that um, he needs help getting removed. I just want to call out that the writers of mm-hmm. magic stories are clearly like aggressive shippers and violent writers <laughs> with with uh, with some subtext happening i just it's uh this is all right we're just gonna leave it at that it, just, uh... born clex uh born clex seated <sighs> okay um, cool, 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 cool. so cool. oh it's the best part about this is the call time story was written by roy graham uh and jenna helland i think yes it was um, but, and roy graham is the current lead of magic story i love roy so he, he is roy is so cool he's great, great and this absolutely checks um, out uh if yeah all of his non-magic stuff is amazing too so uh if you're ever hungry for amazing stories yeah this is my roy graham plant plug <laughs> i i appreciate that because roy is great um so the end up of the call time story is that foreign click successfully steals a seed because everyone's distracted by tybalt and he uh gets picked up by tezzeret and brought back to phyrexia with it um kaya and and tyvar stop tybalt and they save Kaltheim. Okay. Uh, but Kaya is like aware of Vorinclex and she kind of learns like what he is. Uh, so she runs off to tell people. Uh, so we're going to get plot soon because we, I know that that was like a big part of the plot, but like they take a break <laughs> for the next set. <laughs> um, so next couple of sets, really. Uh, so then they go to Strixhaven. It's the magical school, you know, set. Um, Really cool set, really fun story. Uh, Rowan and Will are here. They're at school now. Um, there's there's like a mysterious character named Kazmina who's completely irrelevant to the rest of the plot. Oh, no. so I'm not even going to talk about her. But she has cool cards. Yeah, she's going to get set up for like the future, probably. 
right? Like, oh she's no, not this relevant. is this is the Marvel movie thing where they have like a really weird runner C character who isn't the hero yet, and you're like, why is this person here? And they get an after credit scene where they find like their costume or their weapon, and you're like, wait, what is this? And they're like, oh, we're setting up for three TV shows eight years later, and you're like, oh no, I'm okay, cool, cool, cool. It's kind of that. I think it's more just like. The people who created Kazmina were like, she's going to have a role in the story. And then the people who wrote the story were not those people. <laughs> and so she just kind of she just kind of got put to the back burner. Just like on Ikoria, there's this whole plot about like the Ozolith, which is this giant crystal structure. And there's a voice in the Ozolith that speaks to Luca and like basically eggs him on to be evil. Um, and everyone's like, ooh, who's the voice in the Ozolith? And the answer is could be anybody who knows because whoever made that plot is gone <laughs> so we'll find out eventually okay all right um, a thread kazmina's the same way excellent a thread. Uh, but yeah R- ron and will are here they're studying magic um liliana is here yep she's a teacher she's professor on becomes professor on in the car yeah uh real cool character there's a lot of like the story is not about liliana but there's like some parts of it that are and they're really good um, cause Liliana is kind of like struggling with like who she is, what her like identity is, uh, what she owes to Gideon for like giving his life for her. It's really good. Nice. Um, also Luca is here speaking of, uh, people from Ikoria. Um, Luca shows up on Strixhaven and like one person is mean to him. So he immediately joins the evil group. Uh, <laughs> so there's like these like. Uh, mage hating people who like hate magic and they have these like monsters called mage hunters right and the mage hunters like kill mages like that's just kind of the thing I don't know why they exist they just do um, and so Luca it. controls a bunch of them and six them on the school uh, yeah so Luca's here and he's evil there's Luca got it um, and then uh, we go to Innistrad for the third time and we do it twice <laughs> I played this pretty release. We did Yeah, we we played Midnight Hunt together. It was really yeah. fun. Um Midnight Hunt is uh actually has some like really incredibly important story for this whole like Phyrexia plot. But like it's not about that. So all of the like important story elements are like side story or like kind of like taggers on to the end of it. Okay. Um but it is a really good story. It's about Arlen Cord and some evil werewolves. Um, also the moon is haunted, kinda. Uh, so. Wasn't the moon Emrakul? Wasn't, wasn't that a thing? Yeah, so it's kind of, like, implied that putting Emrakul in the moon kind of messed up the day and night cycle on Innistrad. So, like, nights are getting longer and days are getting shorter. Um, and, uh, so Arlen calls the Gatewatch over, uh, and they send, uh, Kaya, Teferi, and Chandra. So she gets to be part of this, uh, which is really cool. Um, to kind of go and help. And uh, Midnight Hunt ends like with a sad, you know, cliffhanger type ending. But like, honestly, the really important part of Midnight Hunt is a side story that was published alongside it um, by Sean and McGuire. Hey. Incredible author. Yeah. Uh, this story, this story got nominated for like a Hugo. Nice. Um, really big, important story called Tangles. Uh, and this story has Teferi, and he kind of separates off from the group to go help a village that is complaining about a ghost in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so Teferi's like, well, I'll go figure it out. And he goes into the woods to find this like ghost or spirit. And it turns out to be Rin of Rin and Six fame, except Six is retiring. So it's just Rin on her own. Wait, retiring? Wait, what? So we learn in this story, basically the first time we meet Rin in a story. Um, and she is a dryad. And she has this problem where her entire grove like was burnt down by some magical fire. And the fire got into her as well. Um, which means that if she stays in a tree for too long, the tree will burn up. Um, but she can kind of control it. And so what she does is she changes trees every so often, um, which is why she was written in six. That was her sixth tree. And turns out she's actually like a really good guy, like a good person or dryad, I guess. Because um, what she does is she goes and like finds trees who can hold her, who are like strong enough to like handle her. Um, but also want to explore the multiverse. So she's like finding trees who are like, yeah, I would love to to go and see what the world has to offer and not just see my grove forever. And then she takes them on trips around the multiverse, doing her little whatever she does. Um, and then she retires them and she takes them back to wherever she found them. And she puts them back and says, you know, here's your home. You've returned. You have all these stories. And then she finds another tree. But she can't um, so, live for long without a tree. No, she she cannot live for long at all. Like, I think she's got like tops like a day. Oh, wow. And so Teferi finds her in the woods where she is trying to find a new tree, um, but she's struggling to find it. And there's like, you know, Innistrad's all out of whack. The trees are all out of whack. And she's like, she knows that this like town in Kessig has like really good trees. So she's looking for one there. Um, and she sees magic as like a song. And so she can like hear the song of the trees and she can tell when there's like what she calls a tangle uh, when something gets messed up in it. Um, and so Teferi runs into her and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll help you find a tree um, because I'm a good guy. You seem nice. Um, I just but the problem is real quick aside, mm -hmm. I love how Teferi's like I've been asked to come to this plane to solve a very important hey there's a ghost and like maybe some tree drama I'm, I'm in I'm in let me help this out uh, we'll, we'll get back to the moon daylight cycle later I, I, I love that about Teferi yeah. <laughs> he's just like I got it I, I got things to do I think one of Teferi's key defining features is that he doesn't believe uh, any problem is small that if anyone has a trouble is troubled by something he thinks it's just as important as any other problem, which I think is very admirable in a way where he knows that he's here to help save the entire plane, but his focus goes on helping this town that has a ghost in the woods. I think it makes him a great and compelling protagonist and somewhere a producer it just, their brain just exploded and they're very sad. Um, <laughs> but to hear this level of prioritization. Uh, but that's that's my work brain uh, intruding on this magic story time so yes all right onwards yeah. uh so he goes to help her but they get sort of like ambushed by a monster in the woods and to fairy as you know just responds immediately with some time magic and he's like ah i'll stop time um but he messes up uh -oh. and he traps him and ren in like a time bubble so they keep going in circles and he realizes that he's caught them in what Ren calls a tangle. And he can't, because of like the weirdness of Innistrad and all of these problems, he can't figure out how to undo his mistake. Um, Ren 
helps walk him through it and explain like you need to see your mistake and how to approach it so that he can get them out of this tangle and out of this like time loop he stuck them in um which will be super relevant for the future of this entire plot and i want to remind you this is a side story that just gets published among the other ones we love planting those seeds I also want to call out what sounds really cool about this story is like a really beautiful and interesting metaphor for magic, uh, like leveraging, you know, music and this concept of tangles. Um, that's super cool. That's that's a big geek spot for me. Oh, yeah. Got to check it out. Rin has like a really unique way of understanding uh, magic and nature. Um, and it gets a few moments in the spotlight throughout the this plot, this arc. Um, and I really appreciated that. I liked Rin's writing a lot. Um, or oh, you mean, uh, sorry, who's writing? Just the 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 writing for the character Rin. Oh, got it. Just the way that she's portrayed. Um, she's in this story, uh, and then she shows up a couple of times in the future as well. Um, and she's you know pivotal for the entire plot. Um, turns out very important. Uh, at the end of Tangles, uh, they find a tree that Rin is like, oh, here's a tree that's perfect for me. The song is perfect. I can hear it. But the problem is the tree is way too young. And Rin thinks she's going to die because she's like, I can't I can't use this tree. It's too young. And Teferi uses time magic to speed up its growth so that she can use it. And that's how we meet Seven. And that's how we got Rin in Seven. Mm. But yeah, this is like possibly the most pivotal story in the entire arc. And it's just a side story, um, but it did get Hugo nominated. So a lot of people read it. So that's good. Nice. Um, uh, and then there was Crimson Val. And there's like one important thing that happens in Crimson Val. And it's at the end when Teferi uh, gets a magical silver bowl that holds spirits. <laughs> Relevant for later. Um, <laughs> Here, have this MacGuffin. I'm sure it will yeah, come in handy. Basically. Sure is convenient that there's a silver bowl that holds spirits in it. Um, and then we go back to like plot relevant things uh, when we go to Kamigawa. So Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, really cool, incredible set. Yeah. Everyone loved it. Um, this is uh, the main story is about the Wanderer from, yes. you know, War of the Spark. Uh, she's the long lost emperor of Kamigawa, apparently, who disappeared as a child Um her childhood friend, Kaito Shizuki, who's like a ninja planeswalker, uh, is like trying to find her. Um, he knows that Tezzeret was involved when she went missing. Oh. Tezzeret was doing something. Uh, yeah, something suspicious. So like Tezzeret turns back up on Kamigawa. And so this sets Kaito off. Uh, turns out Tezzeret is on Kamigawa to help Jin Gataxius, one of the other Phyrexian Traders, um, who is on Kamigawa doing experiments with this thing called the reality chip, hey. which makes these like it makes the Kami tangible. So like if it is used on a spirit, it basically solidifies it in a way. Um, and it also can be used to stabilize the Wanderer's spark because the Wanderer's whole oh. thing is that her spark is messed mm -hmm. up. And so she she can't. She doesn't control. stay places yeah, for very yeah. long. So they learn that the reality chip does sort of like stabilize her spark. This is relevant. Um, but at the end of the story, after uh, they defeat Jen Gataxius and Tezzeret, 
with the help of the Wanderer, um, Tamio, who is there, uh, she gets kidnapped. Oh, no. In the final battle. And Tezzeret kidnaps her away to New Phyrexia, uh, where she becomes the first completed planeswalker. <sighs> yeah, I saw that. Uh, yeah. And that makes that did make me sad. Um, I have uh, the note on the outline. It's called the epilogue from hell because this epilogue to the main story um, was probably one of the most like contentious things in the story for a very long time Uh, because one, it was like, Oh, they can complete planeswalkers. And the first one you picked was Tamio, the mom um, who everyone loved, who was very nice and kind. uh, And she becomes evil. Uh, So a lot of people were real sad about it, but that was the point of the reality chip was also that it can like make a, a planeswalker spark stay with them even after completion uh, because so wait the wanderer didn't keep it the wanderer it didn't like no she yeah it got um they ended up putting it on tamio so that tamio could do some stuff and then tamio gets kidnapped with it so uh but the the point is is that like this the problem with the Phyrexians has always been that like planeswalkers when they were completed would lose their spark because completion meant that you lost your soul. Well, the reality chip grounds your soul and makes it sort of like a more tangible thing so that when you're completed, it stays with the body. Um, so all of these completed planeswalkers still have their soul. Uh, which is important. Yeah, yeah. But then we went to Streets of New Capenna, which is the Italian-American set. Um, <laughs> wait, uh, wait. So, yeah. You know, I have I have questions, but I feel like you've also all just answered all of them. So we can continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so New Capenna is a, um, it's, uh, it's New York City. Um, or Chicago. Or like Brooklyn, specifically in some places. You know, point is, is it's a, a giant city in a wasteland that has been completely obliterated uh turns out uh elspeth is here because she met up with a johnny on dominaria after she came back from the dead and a johnny was like hey i've missed you you're like my best friend and oh my god I, it's been so long and how are you alive and also uh i think i found your home plane where you grew up in a horrible dungeon staffed by phyrexians what um and elspeth goes Yeah, so that's like Elspeth's origin was that she was like a little kid in a dungeon on some plane where they were still Phyrexians. Wow. um, And they were like torturing people and killing them. And Elspeth's spark ignited and she escaped. Gotcha. Um, So as far as she knew, her home plane was gone. It was infested by Phyrexians. But Ajani tells her that he found a plane that has a city in it that is still there. Uh, but the rest of the plane has been destroyed by Phyrexia. Whoa. Um, so she's like, oh my god, that's my new home. And she immediately yeets off, leaving her friend behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Elspeth goes, and she's like working on the plane. She's doing like some dead-end job. She works at a laundromat what? for a little while. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> she's trying to figure out like the history of the plane, right? And like, it's been a really long time since the people who live in this like giant, like really super tall skyscraper city um, have seen outside the city uh, because no one goes out into a barren wasteland. Uh, And the city is also ran by demons. Um, There's like these five demon mob bosses um, because it's, of course, it's Italian American plane. It's all ran by the mob. Uh. (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, I appreciated it as an Italian American. I thought it was fun. Um, but there's these all these demons and they're running the city. Uh, and they have this thing called Halo, which is like this special drink um slash magical drug, maybe, depending on how you define a drug. Um that can like give people superpower basically it like hypes everyone up and makes them better uh, and it turns out that um so prohibition yeah there's like a prohibition theme like speakeasies to it it's pretty cool uh turns out that the booze is all made of angels what yeah so capenna so the plane of capenna right that elspeth is from apparently uh was one of the planes that was like invaded by phyrexians back in the old yogmoth days you know okay. like hundreds of years ago um and the phyrexians on this plane were winning and hence why elspeth's home where she was right. was just like a terrible dungeon um uh but the angels of the plane were like ready to kill the phyrexians and so they made a deal with these demons who are the mob bosses now and said, hey, we're going to turn ourselves into Halo. We're going to make ourselves intangible and kind of turn ourselves into angel juice. Um, and then you can use that to fight off the Phyrexians. What? what? I mean, it was a plan and it worked. The Phyrexians are gone. Um, but it did mean all the angels got turned into angel juice. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, there, there's no more angels on the plane. Or at least we don't think there are. Turns out there is one. Uh, who Elspeth ends up rescuing, whose name is Giada. Um, also, the primary antagonist of this story is Obnixilis, and he's dressed in like a pinstripe suit, and we all called him Mob Nixilis. <laughs> he's like totally irrelevant, though. But yeah, um, just completely not part of the story. Wait, is he not a, as the antagonist, was he not antagonizing him? <sighs> He was antagonizing, but the point of the story was not Mob Nixilis. It was that Elspeth finding her home plane and discovering all the Phyrexian connections and the Halo and stuff like that. He was just there causing problems gotcha. for people. So like the forgettable villain in kind of a space. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He, he's there to cause problems so Elspeth can have character development. Oof. That's it. Does he survive? Um, Is he still around? Oh, yeah, he gets away at the end. Okay. So he lives. Uh, and then we went to Dominaria. I forgot. There's actually like another really important part about Streets of New Capenna. Okay. Uh, Urabraska's here the whole time. Oh, sure. Naturally. Uh, one of the other Frexian Praetors. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, so he's um, he's like on the plane investigating stuff. Uh, he meets Elspeth. How does he get and, there? Uh, uh, Tezzeret puts him there. Tezzeret's just like teleporting Praetors around? Yeah, that's like become his job. He's he's just the he's the chauffeur. He's the driver for all the praetors. So he was working for Bolus, and then when Bolus died, quotes right. died. Right. Uh, Tezer had to find a new job, and he doesn't have any other skills than being a henchman. So he just went to Phyrexia, I guess. <laughs> Which I mean, like, <laughs> you gotta think at some point he should be looking for like a he's supervisor gotta, position. He's gotta go for a career change, a, a move up. You know, he can't just go for these lateral moves. You know, he's got. Huh? Yeah, that's, that's just poor career growth. But he's, yeah, so he's like doing some stuff. We find out why he's doing it later. Okay. He gets a story. Sure. Um, but Urabraska. Anyways, Urabraska's here. Turns out Urabraska's not there to like do things for Phyrexia. He's actually trying to figure out how to stop Phyrexia because he wants to like 
revolt against Elish Norn. Yeah, he's always was like, like the, the leader, vaguely like pro life on New Phyrexia surviving guy, right? He, so, I don't have time to get into it to <laughs> Red Phyrexia. The point is about Urabrask is that he doesn't like the like way that Elish Norn dominates okay. people. Sure. He thinks that everyone should be Phyrexian, but everyone should have their own choice in being Phyrexian. Not that they shouldn't be Phyrexian, but right. that they should be choosing it okay. rather than it being forced upon them. Um, still evil, still a bad guy, okay. but like in this case, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Okay. Um, also, Vivian is here. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, she's she's got a like her bow in a briefcase. It's pretty cool. Um, she <laughs> looks kind of like a hard boiled detective. Oh, Elspeth is also like in a flapper dress. I, I've seen this art. Okay. Yeah, uh, she makes friends with one of those demons. Okay. Um, and at the end, the angels come out of the statues, except maybe they don't. What? Because there's like statues of angels everywhere, and like the cards show the angels coming out of the statues. Um, but the story doesn't ever get to that point, and we find out later that that might have happened later on. So, anyways, the it, angels do come back at the end of the story, but maybe not at the end of that story, but like sometime between this and March of the Machine. I don't- so, like, the angel thing is tripping me out, because if I'm just going to summarize it, I would say, angels said, Soylent green us, bro. We're going to fight Phyrexians by juicing you up. And then later yeah. on, they're like, just kidding. We're actually just going to uh, Doctor Who Time Lords angels out of statues come back and be fine. It's a little confusing. It makes sense if you spend a lot of time thinking about it, but a lot of people didn't. <laughs> um, so, and I don't have time to talk about right. that in depth. Fair. Red Phyrexia and Angels. We'll come yeah. back later. Got it. Got it. Uh, there's also two side stories that kind of happened between Streets of New Capenna and Dominaria United um, that need to be mentioned. These were not released with a set. They were released independently, which is like very unusual. Um, the first one was A Garden of Flesh. Uh, this story follows Ashiok, who goes to Elish Norn on New Phyrexia because he learned or they learned about Elish Norn through Elspeth, right? Um, and so they're like, I'm going to go check this this creepy lady out. Uh, so they go to, to New Phyrexia and they find Elish Norn and they give her a nightmare about Elspeth. Um, Phyrexians aren't supposed to feel fear. So Elish Norn being afraid of Elspeth is like very unusual. Um, and this is all Ashiok's doing. Ashiok is the one who causes her to have fear. Uh, this actually ends up being like probably one of the most important acts that can happen for the failure of Phyrexia in the future. Ooh, so like it's a side story, but like turns out to be one of the most pivotal moments, just like the Tangle story. And it happened kind of in an offhand side story. Uh, it also shows that Elish Norn is using that seed from the world tree to grow like something spooky. Who knows? We're going to find out later. Mm, um, remember this plot point? It's still brutal. Yeah. Uh, and then also there was a note for a stranger, or notes for a stranger, which was written by Alice Sindler's. Um, it's like a love story between Sahili and Watley. It was released for Pride last year. It's so good. It's so <laughs> cute. Um, I said it was plot relevant, but it's actually really not. Um, <laughs> it's plot relevant because Sahili is trying to get some like good quality copper um, from what? someone. Uh and you find out later why she needs it. You know, it. when I write love notes to mm-hmm. my partner, I absolutely include a lot of details about 
needing good quality materials for my crafting. Um, so I'm not kidding. That's how Watley and Sahili meet. This. Okay. 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 Yeah. That's that's why they meet. Uh, They're Sahili makers needs some good quality who met around metal. the 3D mm-hmm. printer. I get it. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so then we are going to go to Dominar United. We also played this pre-release. Uh, it was really cool. It was just a nostalgia set. Um, this is the like start of the real plot for Phyrexia in March of the Machine. Uh, Shieldred is on Dominaria. Um, she also got portaled there by Tezzeret. Just all he does. It's kind of, yeah. Uh, she ends up basically doing Phyrexian Invasion of Dominaria 2.0. Um, she ends up like stopping Karn while he's trying to learn how to use the Silex because Karn's plan is to, he uncovered a Silex back in Dominaria 2018, right? And his plan is to take that Silex to Phyrexia and blow it up. What does Silex do again? Um, so Silexes are the like weird bowl thing that Urza used to kill all of the people in the Brothers War. Um, and usher in the Ice Age and destroy that Phyrexian war. Um, that was like what a Silex was, and that's what we know about it, is it's essentially just like a planar nuke. Um, very, very powerful, explosive thing, and Karn believes he can use it to just blow up Phyrexia. So he wants to use it, um, but Shieldred interrupts him while he's like doing some excavation to try and find the like instruction manual. Because uh, <laughs> he found the Silex, but he doesn't know how I to use like it. I feel like this is so relatable to anyone who owns anything. And you're like, where did I put that freaking manual digging around in your basement? And then and then Shieldred shows up and gets in your face and you just lose track of it. She won't get out of my garage. I keep telling her to leave. Pretty annoying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, the end of Dominar United, there's like, you know, the whole invasion plot. There's a uh, sleeper agents are kind of like Shieldred's thing where she keeps like making Phyrexian sleeper agents. Um, she ends up like a Johnny is here and he disappears for like one story and then he comes back and he's been completed and he's a sleeper agent. Um, mm. He kills Jaya Ballard. Mm. So on top of the mana rig, which also comes back, this is all nostalgia set like. It's got everything, right? It's got all of the nostalgia things. Uh, Joda is here. Jaya Ballard is here until she gets killed. Um, there's a, a cameo by Zancha and Ratape from the Planeswalker novel. I definitely know who those people are. Uh, does that happen in the Brothers War? Anyways, point is, is like all this happens. Um, Jaya ends up dying. They all lose. Karn gets kidnapped because Ajani stabs him with his axe. Um Ajani also destroys the Silex. Ajani, so, no. goodbye, Newt. Uh, yeah, he just kills the nuke. Um, it's a big loss. Everyone loses. Uh, a really important thing that happens, again, in a side story that is relevant to the future plot, uh, is the Weatherlight gets completed. What? So the Frex, yeah, the Frexians uh, infect the Weatherlight and it gets completed. I got like totally destroyed by the Weatherlight completed at the pre-release. So I know. That was common knowledge by the time of the pre-release. Um, so uh, it gets completed and the crew uh, is able to rescue the power stone that powered the Weatherlight, which was the same Sarah's Realm power stone that Urza made that one time or one of the times he was a dick because um, he like collapsed all of Sarah's angelic realm into a power stone. <laughs> uh, important for the future of the plot uh, that they rescue that power stone because in the Brothers War, um, set i am very sad to tell you that 
my worst enemy has arrived and that is a time travel plot um i hate time travel plots <laughs> i have a distinct memory of ranting to you about how much i hate time travel plots yes we have discussed this uh, uh and i had that rant before i knew the brothers war was even going to happen um so all of the MacGuffins from all of the past stories have come together and Sahili built builds a special time machine using that uh, silver bowl that holds spirits from Innistrad. Uh, she uses the Sarah's Realm Power Stone. Um, she uses Tanos's coffin, which apparently they just had on hand. <laughs> Remember that card from Antiquities? Um, just had it sitting around. Uh, and then she uses Kaya. Uh, and they are able to uh, take Teferi, who uses his time magic... Uh, they put his soul in that bowl and they send it back in time because it's made of silver, which silver can time travel. What? Uh, so that he can silver can time travel. That's why Karn is a silver golem. <laughs> <laughs> Do you so Karn's whole thing is that he's made of silver because Urza wanted to use him in time travel. Um and so silver has inherent time traveling capability. Of course. Or has like the ability for time stuff. Anyways. They send Teferi back in time to the Brothers' War uh, to try and learn how they can use the Silex um, because Sahili built a new Silex because she can just do that because she is the most capable planeswalker who has ever existed. Um, so she built a new Silex. Uh, they send Teferi's ghost back in time. Turns out to be some of the best magic fiction that has ever been written uh, between the main and side stories of this set. Uh, the main stories are like little vignettes in the past showing like the brothers war from the point of view of the people who fought in the brothers war or who like survived it. Um, and not just like Urza and Mishra. So it's like really good. Uh, it was written by Miguel Lopez, who was just incredible. Nice. Um, and then the like side stories are all one continuous story about the planeswalkers who are like getting ready to go to Phyrexia to blow it up. Cool. Uh, and it's, because, you know, once they know how to use the Silex, once Teferi learns how to use it by watching Urza do it, uh, they can go blow up Phyrexia with it. I, I gotta say that I love that the magic story acknowledges that the only way you could possibly find that missing instruction manual is to go back in time and rebuild whatever device you're trying to fix. So that's that's very realistic to me. I just want to share that. Otherwise... Otherwise, you just keep running into Shieldreds. Yeah. In the, in you know, you got to go back in time. Yep. Back in time is the only way. So uh, they do, Teferi does go back in time to watch Urza blow up uh, Mishra and all of those people with the Silex. And he like has like a conversation with Urza, which is really cool. Like while they're like stuck in this little time bubble. Um, but while this is happening, the Planeswalkers in the modern day are getting attacked by some Phyrexians on Dominaria. Uh oh uh led by Tezzeret, who's there hey, um the best of henchmen. course and uh they end up blowing up the sarah's realm power stone um so there's like a short in the time machine and the power source explodes and um teferi gets lost in time or space or something he just mysteriously disappears from existence mm. He wakes up on a beach somewhere. Wait, that's wonder where he went. That's so familiar. <laughs> why? Do, why is it magic always sends our, our our friends to a beach somewhere when they wake up mysteriously? Exactly. Um, but Teferi is gone, and uh, Tezra ends up like telling them like, "Hey, oops, I probably played both sides a little too hard." 
Um, you need to go now because Elish Norn is about to enact her giant invasion plan. But why does he help uh, and them? Tezzer- so Tezzer is playing both sides. That's why he helped Urabrask get to Capinna. Um, and he, like, he's just played one side a little too hard, uh, as he's definitely helped this, the Frexians why, why a little he, too much. Why does he want to help both sides? Uh, we find out that Tezzer, and I can just tell you this, because it, it, it's a side story in Frexia. Um, Tezzeret's whole plan is that he wants a dark steel body. He doesn't want to have breakable metal anymore. He wants to be, you know, invincible. Uh, the problem is that dark steel is only found on Mirrodin, which is currently under the purview of Elish Norn and the Frexians. So he's working for them to get a dark steel body so that he can, you know, be invincible. Sure. Uh, the Phyrexians, of course, are planning to betray him, which for some reason he just doesn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so he he goes to get his dark steel body and they're like all right you've done everything we asked you've done your whole job and they go to give they give him a dark steel body and then Jin Cataxius who's doing it is like all right and now my next step is to turn you into a Phyrexian mm. um and we're gonna just bathe you in some glistening oil for a while and so Tezzer ends up having to like fight his way out and escape but he he does get his dark steel body um he just also almost destroyed the entire multiverse for it Listen, sometimes to secure your 401k, you might have to work for the military industrial complex for a few years. And Tezris just, you know, he's just a guy doing his job. Okay, I can't. Uh, we're going to just leave that there. <laughs> it's not really defensible in either the, way, the, actually. The, the metaphor is uh, either falling apart or too good, and we don't need to continue. So, all right, onwards. So, uh, yeah, Teferi's gone. Uh, the good guys also... I, I'm putting good guys here in, like, capital letters trademarked. Um, I heard it. Yeah. So they they end up, like, going, oh, well, we lost Teferi, but luckily, because Kaya was the one who was, like, sending his ghost back in time, she also witnessed everything that he witnessed. So Kaya also knows how to use the Silex. Um, and so she can, like, all right, I can help set off the nuke. Uh, since we lost Karn and Teferi, I can do this. Oh no! Um, and they two. plan. Yeah, we're we're down to Kaya. Um, so they plan to like get together a strike team to go to Phyrexia, and the strike team is gonna set off the nuke in the heart of Phyrexia to stop this World Tree that they just learned about. Because um, it turns out Elishnorn is growing a World Tree in Phyrexia that will span all of the multiverse and not just the Ten Realms of Kaldheim. Everywhere. Uh, see, Elish Norn had her own pandemic era plant girl phase. I get it. I get it. Uh huh. Yeah, she's she's become a plant mom, um, and she is growing the worst plant ever grown, because uh, she's going to use this tree to then invade all of the multiverse with Phyrexians. Uh, so they're like, all right, let's get a strike team together, and that's when we get Phyrexia. All will be one when. Uh, between 10 and 11 planeswalkers, de- depending on how you define it, are going to go to New Phyrexia and fight uh, Elish Norn. Um, there's like 10 planeswalkers are going to Phyrexia and then they're meeting Koth there. Okay. So Koth is going to be there. They have contact with him. Nice. Uh, and so they're sending uh, Jace, of course, obviously, because, you know, the Our boy. minds of the operation, yeah. uh, the face of magic, except not really. Um, not anymore. That's Chandra now. Uh, then there's Kaido, who ninja guy from Kamigawa. Yeah, our uh, boy. Kaya, 
Yeah. The other boy. Kaya is obviously going because mm-hmm. uh, she knows how to use the Silex. Yeah. She read the uh, They're meeting Koth there. Uh, Luca. Wait, what? For some what? reason. He's on the team? What? <laughs> He's on the team. What? Wait, um, I thought he was busy being a, a monster everywhere. I don't know why. I mean, the explanation. So, like, the real in-world explanation is that Vivian knew Luca and she's part of this conversation. Oh, no. And she knew that Luca, even though he was kind of evil, uh, was the only person who she could think of who had experience leading a team of people to kill monsters. So she's like, (laughs) we need all the help we can get. We might as well get this one guy who knows how to lead a monster killing squad. Listen, listen, I know this guy, he's an exec, he's kind of awful, and he's caused a lot of harm in a lot of places, but he's really good at shipping games. So we're just going to get him in, he's going to ship this one project for us, and then it's going to be fine. I'm sure this oh, won't come back. That to product does not get shipped. That product <laughs> does not get shipped. It's going to be worth whatever cost we incur here. This is fine. Uh, also, they get Nahiri. Okay, okay. The, the <laughs> genocidal like... X2 girl. Okay, okay. Yeah, uh, they get Nissa, of course, because she joins the party. Oh, again. hold up! I, I thought um, Nahiri and Nissa yeah. were like, we are not going to ever work together again. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this uh, team sucks. <laughs> so the problem with Nahiri and Nissa is that um, they both just kind of have to acknowledge that if they don't do something, that Zindikar will get destroyed. So they, you know, set aside their differences to help Zindikar, I guess. Um, <laughs> And then Tyvar is here hey, from Kaltheim. Our himbo boy. Yeah, guy who knows world trees. Yeah. Uh, good himbo. Uh, Vraska joins the party for the first time since War of the Spark. This is the first time she shows up in story wow. since War of the Spark. Wow. Wow. Because uh, her boyfriend's going to Phyrexia. She's going to go with him. Mm. Uh, the Wanderer agrees to go along because she thinks somehow she can help. Um, no offense to the Wanderer, but she's not really reliable. I mean that's her whole that's her whole like character. Yeah, yeah. She has to. Wander. She's she's good at what she does though. You know, that's... she may not stick at a job for more than a month or two, but she does <laughs> it really well when she's there. <laughs> and then uh, Elspeth is going to go with them, oh. and Elspeth is kind of like she shows up and she's like, "Hey, I gotta help because Phyrexia is evil." And also they took her best friend. Um, so she's going to go save her best friend. Uh, both of them, because Johnny is also there and Koth. Oh, I forgot she was friends with Koth. Oh, yeah. Koth and Elspeth, real tight. Um, so things go really bad uh, immediately. <laughs> this is, like, as you can imagine, this just goes south from the get-go. They they all planeswalk to Phyrexia and immediately get kind of scattered because Elishnor knew they were coming. This is, Because, wait, of course, she this did. This is just Amonkhet. All over again. It's, the team it's gears up, they teleport in, and then they immediately get scattered because the big bad villain knows they're coming. Why do these folks never learn? <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, is like they actually definitely like had a plan and they like knew what they were up against. Like okay. Jace felt so confident. That's better than Amonkhet when they were just like, I don't know, we'll, we'll wing it. We got this. Yeah. Um, turns out that they just couldn't plan ahead of. Elish Norn, who kind of knew they were coming and like set up like a planeswalking scrambler so that uh, when they planeswalked, they all kind of like ended up in different places. Um, Luca gets got immediately. Oh, no. Uh, And not because he gets like captured or he like loses a fight. He planeswalks with Nyssa to like the big copper green jungle. Uh They both end up there together. 
And Luca's first thought is, oh, look, a giant Phyrexian monster. I'm going to bond with it. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, that goes about exactly as well as you can expect. He just gets Phyrexianized basically immediately. (laughs) And he's kind of into it. Oh, no. So, so, you know. Because, of course, the leader, the, the, The ostensible, ostensibly experienced leader of the team immediately gets corrupted. Weird. Okay, cool. Uh. It's almost like we kind of everyone expected that um, the moment we saw Luca was going to be there. Um, Nissa is with him and she like also gets got basically immediately, um, but off screen. So like we don't actually see Nissa get completed until the end when she shows up. I've seen the card and I'm still sad. Yeah. She gets bald. It's kind of weird. Um, the Wanderer just can't stay around long enough to be effective because like the planeswalker scrambler is just making it impossible. Aww. So like she gets there and then just keeps immediately blinking out. She just can't stay. That sucks. Um, she tries though. She tries really hard. She shows up and tries to help Nissa and Luca too. Doesn't work out. Um, she immediately can tell Luca is n- not a good choice. <laughs> um, Nahiri uh, is part of like the, group that gets together but she like gets a tiny cut at the very start of this um and it turns out to get infected like phyrexianized um you know that whole like hiding the zombie bite yeah, trope yeah. she kind of does that but um the writer of the story is Sean and mcguire hey, who is, Sean know, and, and she's not gonna write a bad zombie plot right so nahiri gets the zombie bite and she does tell the person who she should tell, which is Malira, who is here. And Malira is like, yeah, uh, I can totally cure you of this Phyrex, this like Phyrexianization. I can stop this before it takes hold, but it will put you out of the mission. Malira is like, I would have to basically heal you for like several days. So you would just be out. You would not be able to help. Um, And Nahiri has a conversation with her and says, actually, I think it's worth it for me to run the risk that I become a Phyrexian if it means I can help these people stop the the, the Phyrexians. Oh, um, character growth. So Nahiri, yeah. So she like basically says, I'm willing to sacrifice myself if it means the success of this mission. Okay. Vraska was totally lost. No one knows where she is um, until the group has come together of you know those remaining uh, and they all drink some Halo uh, that Elspeth brought along and Jace, his mind powers get like amplified and he can hear Vraska. Mm. And so he goes to find well, her and they all kind of follow him. I, so I just want to call out that Elspeth's like, hey, I came back from the prohibition set. I got myself a flask of angel juice. Anyone want to juice up here? Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. They all get like a little bit tipsy. Um, and uh, Jace hears Vraska and she's like screaming and so he, of course, oh, is like, no. the love of my life is in danger. I must go help yes. her. Uh, and he runs into the Phyrexian Arena, oh, where she no. has been trapped in this Phyrexian Arena in Shieldred's domain, uh, where she is being forced to fight waves and waves of Phyrexians, who she's turning to stone, but she's been cut and and hurt, and she's definitely infected. Oh. Um, and Jace and Vraska have this like cute little mind date. Right. Where um, Vraska and like Jace like runs to her and is like, hey, I'm going to make this OK. I'm going to make this OK. And he like 
turns this the arena into like an illusion of a Ravnica street and they go on like a little tiny like mind date and Jace is like it's gonna be all right and Vraska's like no it's not because I've already infected you and then it turns out Vraska has already like stabbed Jace and she's already gone like she's she's too far gone he's now infected uh they have to run out of the arena uh Nahiri this is where she sacrifices herself uses her stone power to literally drop the arena down into the core of Phyrexia um so she dies ostensibly uh well we don't see her um she's gone and uh Vraska is somehow also lost in this uh leaving just like Jace, Kaya, Kaido, Tyvar, Koth, and Elspeth. Um, and so they're running towards the core where they're going to set off the bomb. And Jace is like, give me the bomb. I'll set it off because I'm about to die anyways. Might as well set off the nuke in the, the heart of the world. Um, so Kaya begrudgingly gives this infected Phyrexian, you know, person who's been affected by Phyrexia, the bomb. And is like, yeah, you take that to the end zone, buddy. Um... They get there, they get to the core, uh, they run into a completed Ajani, uh, and also Tybalt is there, and he's been completed, because I guess Vorinclex never got that seed out of him. <laughs> you know, uh, Tybalt then gets killed, by the way, he's just dead. <laughs> oh no! What? No, they did my point Tyvar, dirty! Tyvar kills him! <laughs> Tyvar kills him. He shows up in one card oh. in Phyrexia All Will Be One Art, and it's Tyvar, Tyvar killing him. Um, Man. He actually has, like, a really cool scene in the story, but, like, Tibble. I guess they were like, we we don't know what else to do with gets this Gets to be so cool in Kaldheim for a minute, and then just gets punched to death by a himbo elf. Oh, jeez. What a fate. <laughs> he gets to be the primary ag- antagonist for one set, okay. and then he gets he gets got. Uh, so this is a total aside that can totally be cut from the podcast, but, uh, up to you. It's, it's a silly aside, but there was a, um, lunch that I had with Allison Lures probably like six or seven years ago when we were in the middle of writing an Cat story and we were, you know, joking about, oh, when we get to tell the next big phases of magic story, what should happen? And we were like, Tybalt gets his villain arc. He's going to have his moment. <laughs> and so I'm glad that it happened and sad that it ends so anticlimactically for our, our, our dear boy Tybalt. He does have a really good villain arc in Call Time. <laughs> He's really fun. Good, good, good. But he, he also gets a good villain arc in the Boom comics, by the way, if you've ever read those. i got to check those out. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, Tyvar kills uh, Tybalt. Um so at this point, the problem is that um, Jace has the the nuclear bomb, and he's going to go set it off. He's, like, in the core. Uh, Kaya and Kaito, and Tyvar, I guess, too, um, they all notice that—I mean, Tyvar's a little busy killing Tybalt, but they realize that uh, this world tree has already kind of grown beyond what they thought it was and has connected to a bunch of planes. Uh-oh. So if they set off the nuke, you know, the one that— destroyed a large part of Dominaria, mm-hmm. set an Ice Age in motion for a thousand years, mm-hmm. and, um, like, trapped Dominaria and a bunch of other planes in a shard away from the rest of the multiverse. If they set off that nuke there with all these other planes connected, they could kill all of them. Ooh, bad. And they don't know how deep this goes. Right. Um, so they're a little late, is the idea. 
Uh, Jace still really wants to set off that bomb, though, because he's really sad that his girlfriend is evil and dead. Kind of both. Um, Because, you know, Phyrexians. Mm -hmm. And so he starts setting off the bomb. Uh, Elspeth, at the very last minute, runs in, stabs Jason the heart with her halo sword that she has. She has a sword that, uh, by the way, has like a little flask of halo in it. (laughs) It's really cool. Um, So she stabs Jace through the heart with that, right? Uh, Stopping him, but the bomb has already started going off. The Silex like takes a second and like is like charging up to blow up. So Elspeth just grabs it and planeswalks indiscriminately. We don't know where she goes. So she's grabbed an exploding bomb and is off in the multiverse. Um, At this point, Elish Norn shows up and she's like, hello, welcome. I will now give my villain monologue. Part one. Um, Because part one, because the March of the Machine story starts with part two. Okay. Um, So she starts talking and is like, hello, welcome. Uh, Also, look at all these cool toys I have now. And she shows off all of her completed planeswalkers, uh, which includes, of course, um, the whole collection, Tamiyo, Ajani, the, you know, the first two. Uh, then she shows off that, uh, guess what? She also has Raska, of course. Um, and she has Nahiri, who didn't die. She got turned into Frexin. Now she has sword arms for some reason. <laughs> Her arms are swords now. <laughs> I I don't know how that's practical. You know, when you're a Phyrexian... You just get to have sword arms. That's one of the perks. We don't question it too deeply. Yeah, but she doesn't have hands anymore. Just swords. Um, also, Nissa is there, and Nissa has been completed, and she's bald, and she's uh, really creepy looking, uh, and has four arms. Her staff has become an arm. Oh, no. Uh, also, her sword has become its own Phyrexian. It's like its own little Phyrexian thing. So, neat. Kind of cool. Um they're all there. Luca has also been completed somewhere off screen. He's not part of this party. <laughs> um, not yet. And she's gloating to Kaya, Kaido, and Tyvar, who are kind of trapped. Koth uh, escapes with Malira, uh, but they have to leave Karn behind. And um, Karn was there, too, by the way. He was just kind of trapped on a on a plate. Man, that's just been the watching fate all this happen. of Karn for a while, just being generally held yeah. hostage and useless. Uh, it gets worse. Um, well, maybe not. It gets better, but also kind of worse. Anyways, uh, that's the end of Phyrexia All Will Be One. And then we have March of the Machine. And I realize we are at an hour and 10 minutes. <laughs> um, if I can finish March of the Machine, will you stick around for I'm it for, for it. another few minutes? We're getting close. We're so close. All right. So March of the Machine starts with those planeswalkers trapped. And they're watching Elish Norn give her big, like, here's my whole plan and what we're going to do monologue. Um, and she is basically showing off her big tree that's connected to all the planes of the multiverse. And it turns out she has Nyssa, who was kind of a goal of hers, because Nyssa can direct the tree. You know, tree stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what Nyssa does for Norn is she shows her through the, the Realm Breaker tree, like little like glimpses into the different planes. Mm-hmm. And Elish Norn is sending all of these planeswalkers off on their trips, right? Um, the first person who gets sent off is actually Jace, who wakes up from being stabbed, uh, and he is Phyrexianed. You know, he's all infected. Uh, he reads Elish Norn's mind and just leaves, mm. and no one knows where he went. Because he's doing the will of the thing. 
And I mean that as in still to this day, no one knows where Jace went. They have not resolved his plot at all. He's gone. Exciting. Okay. Okay. Elish Norn uh, sends uh, Vraska to Ravnica, of course. She sends Nahiri to Zendikar. Uh, she sends Ajani to Theros because she's like, you go corrupt the gods of Theros. They're really important to my plan. Um, more on why they're important later. Uh, she sends Johnny there. Uh, she sends everyone off the thing. She sends Luca to Ikoria, and everyone who's gathered kind of agrees that Luca's just going to die. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, including Elish Norn? Yeah. <laughs> she sends him She sends him to Ikoria, and like the other, I think Nissa or someone is like, Elish Norn, you know he's like not, he's not really thinking about what he's going to do. He's just going there to cause problems. And Elish Norn's like, yeah, I know. He'll either complete the plane and be a hero or he'll die and be out of my hair. <laughs> so good for him. Sends Luca off to die. Uh, does all this. And then the three planeswalkers who are captured are allowed to escape. Wait, why? Essentially, Elish, uh, Elish Norn is essentially like, yeah, go tell all your friends because there's nothing y'all can do now and spread the gospel of Elish Norn. Wow. Basically. Arrogance. Um, well, they can also planeswalk away, so she can't, like, stop them without, like, you know, trying, and she doesn't care. Because um, Elshnorn's really arrogant. That's, like, her big thing. She thinks she thinks that it's too late to be stopped. Nice. Um, so they all escape, and they all go to Dominaria, where they were told to meet up at Vess Manor with Liliana. Um, and Liliana is at the ruins of Vess Manor, where she's redecorating. She's working on renovating. Hang on. I've got my HGTV episode going on while you guys have your big Walking Dead finale. But come, welcome into the home. Let me show you around. <laughs> Basically how it goes, yeah. Um, but she's there with Chandra and Rin and Vivian, who are just kind of waiting for these planeswalkers to come back. Because uh, the last time we saw these people was in the Brothers War when they were, like, sending Teferi back in time. Um, and so they're all just kind of waiting, like, where are you going? What's, what's happened? Um when they come back and they're like, hey, we failed, uh, everyone's gone. Uh, Kaya says that Jace got got and Vraska, is, or not Vraska, uh, Liliana is completely shocked by this. Like, she's like genuinely like, no, that doesn't happen. Right. Jace always has a backup plan. Right. There's no way. Right. And so Liliana, when she accepts this and is like, oh, my God, if Jace is gone, it's too late. And Liliana leaves. Um, she goes to Strixhaven. Because she thinks if I, she, Liliana has kind of accepted the idea that if she's going to do anything, she's going to protect Strixhaven as long as she can. Because she cares about the kids. She's a good professor. Um, So she goes off to Strixhaven. After her demon era, she's got her caring professor era. Got it. It's really sweet. Um, There's a Strixhaven story. Quintorius, who's like a little elephant guy, becomes a planeswalker. It's very cute. Um. Anyways, Liliana's doing that. Uh, Vivian is like, all right, well, we need to start defending planes. We need to start getting the word out and helping people. And meanwhile, Chandra is like, no, I'm going to Phyrexia and killing everyone. <laughs> yes. Chandra's I like, I am going straight to Phyrexia and I'm going to burn down that fucking tree. Oh, shit. Right. Uh, so she runs off and Liliana and, and or Vivian is like, what are you doing? You're an idiot. You're just going to die. Kaya's like, yeah. You can't win that fight. Tyvar is also like, look, I'm all for big 
heroic moments, but you will not win. And so Chandra is convinced. She's like, she wants to do it, but she knows that she has no support. And she is really sad because she knows Nyssa got got. Um, and she's thinking about how all the wasted time she had where she wasn't talking with Nyssa and they kind of split up and she misses her. Uh, and while she's like crying over this, Rin shows up and Rin is like, actually, as the tree person, I agree with you. We should go to Phyrexia. Oh, shit. And so Rin and Chandra hatch a plan to go to Phyrexia and Rin is going to talk to that tree. Oh, I've seen a piece of art. I think I know what happens. Yeah. All right. So they go to Phyrexia. Uh, meanwhile, while this is all happening, we get little vignettes uh, all over the like multiverse as planes are being invaded and bad stuff is happening. And essentially they're losing on every front. Um, all the little stories that we get that are set on like Ixalan and uh, places like some of the other ones who I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, we get like a little look into Kaldheim. We get a look into Kaladesh. We get a look into... Uh, Nuka Pena, and we see these like little tiny victories that happen, but they're all losing in the large scale. Um, on Ixalan, the like Sun Empire is completely destroyed basically yes. by Phyrexians, um, like to the point where the vampires and the dinosaur people and the pirates are all teaming up together because they don't have any other choice. Um, it's bad on Ravnica, all of the Golgari are basically completed. Um, it's really awful. Uh, but Chandra and Rin go to Phyrexia. They run into Koth and Malira, who are like, this is a lost cause, but if you can do anything, we will support you. Um, and so Chandra and Rin have this idea, and they make their way to the core of Phyrexia. Um, and then we get a little side story. And this little side story, it's not like an actual, it's part of the main story. Uh, the main story for, for March of the Machine, by the way, is written by K. Arsenal Rivera, who is incredible, who also wrote all of the stories for Innistrad, uh, Midnight Hunt, and Crimson Vow. So this is her second time writing 10 stories in a row um, for Magic. Uh, and she's writing this story, and it's great. And we get this little, like, side-off view where it's Elspeth. And Elspeth is watching what's happening in the multiverse from some weird, like, demi-plane of existence... Uh, where she's being talked to by this mysterious voice. And this voice is telling her, hey, you can step in and help, but you only get one shot. You only have one place you can go where you can step in and save people. And you have to pick right because there's a short amount of time and you have to do it at the right moment because if you pick the wrong time or the wrong place, everything will be lost. No pressure. No pressure. Um, turns out that the voice that's speaking to her is Sarah. Mm. Like, of Sarah's angel, the planeswalker Sarah, who is dead. Mm. Um, some essence of her was in that Saren power stone that blew up during the Brothers War story. And it is in the multiverse, and Elspeth has encountered it. In, in like, the Blind Eternities or some space between space or whatever. Um, and Elspeth is talking to it and it's explained to her, you can step in on Kapina and save your home. You can go to Theros where Ajani is completing the gods of Theros <laughs> and you can stop him and potentially save him. just want to call out how badass that is. Like, you know, from being the linchpin of the guild of the, of the gatewatch to being like, I'm going to go complete some gods now. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, so Ajani does this thing where he goes to Theros and um, turns a lot of the like worshippers of the gods into Phyrexians, which then means the Phyrexians complete the gods. Because on Theros, your belief in the god is what gives it power. So what ends up happening is he like converts all of Heliod's followers into Phyrexians, and they essentially turn Heliod into a Phyrexian. Um, and it happens, apparently, to a bunch of gods. We don't know how many yet, but there's only two confirmed safe so far. One is the a hard confirm, and the other one is an assumed safe um, because of some flavor text. But, like, it could literally be all of them except for, like, Afara and Athreos. Um, maybe just Afara. But anyways... Uh, Ajani is there, and he is decimating Theros. Uh, New Capenna, Atraxa, gets sent to New Capenna, and she is just, literally, her instructions on New Capenna were to kill everything, leave no one alive, destroy the entire plane. Wow. Not even convert people, but to just kill them and use their bodies for scrap. Dang. So, it is not even... Yeah. So, Capenna is being absolutely destroyed, um, and Elspeth is like, I don't, she's trying to figure out where she can step in. Uh, and then we cut back to Phyrexia where, hey, Chandra, Rin, Koth, Malira, they've all made it to the the world tree again. They've all made their way there. All the Phyrexians are kind of distracted with the invasion, so it's a lot easier to get there this time. Uh, when they get there, uh, oh, I forgot to mention, uh, Shieldred got killed. Um <laughs> Elish Norn has a Johnny execute Shieldred at the very beginning of the story. Because Shieldred fought against Elish Norn. Like, was not in on, like, wasn't supporting her plan, so she just killed her. Dang. Um, and then Elish Norn has Urabrask executed at the end, towards the end of the story. No. So, yeah. So Elish Norn is just killing these other Praetors at this point. Because um, they are not following the plan. Right. Uh, and the planeswalkers have made it to the core of Phyrexia. They see the tree in front of them. Um, and before they get to it, Elish Norn shows up and she stops them. And Jin Cataxius and Vorinclex both show up as well. And they're like, we knew you were going to come. Uh, Nyssa is there and Nyssa is stopping them from getting to the tree. And it's creating this like tension with Chandra, who knows that like she could stop Nyssa if she just burnt her to a crisp, but she can't bring herself to do it. Um, cause you know, that's her, her ex-girlfriend, uh, who she still loves dearly. Um, they all get captured. It looks like it's about to end. Uh, and then at that point, Elspeth knows it's the moment and we get a really, really cool scene where Elspeth appears in the heart of Phyrexia, uh, and stops Jin Gataxius from killing Koth. Uh, and now she's an angel, hmm. by the way. Oh, Sarah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, uh, turns out Elspeth has always been an angel, um, but didn't know it. Uh, so that's the whole point of her being from New Capenna is that all of the angels had kind of gone inert and she had that same angelness to her. Uh, there's like a scene where Rin is like, hmm, your song is very different from everyone else's. It's almost like there's two songs inside of you. And it's like, oh, it's because she's part angel. Um, so she shows up and she's an angel and she helps fight. Uh, Rin makes it to 
the tree, the, which is called Realm Breaker yeah, now. piece of art I've seen that was super cool. Yeah, and she merges with the tree in this really, really cool story moment where it's kind of, like, trippy, where she's, like, inside this, like, world tree that's been infected by Phyrexia. Um, and Rin's whole thing, the whole reason she wanted to make it to the tree was, one, she could stop the invasion, but, two, she could untangle a certain problem in the multiverse. Um, because when we last saw Teferi, he hmm. had been woken up on a on a beach somewhere. Right. Turns out he got blasted into Zalfir. So Zalfir, as we know, was phased out of existence a long time ago, uh, or phased out of time. And when Teferi gets blasted through the multiverse or something, blind eternities, who knows, uh, he was also time traveling when it happened. Really. So he gets shunted out of time and ends up on Zalfir. Uh, Zalfir, which was phased out at the beginning of the first Phyrexian invasion of Dominaria, um, has not changed much. For what has been 300 and something years for us has only been like 30 on Zalfir. So the Zalfirans are still prepared to fight Phyrexia. Like, all of Zalfir is still there. They're all ready to fight. They've been just kind of waiting to see what would happen. Um, Teferi gets there and he ends up like what seems to us to be a very short amount of time to Teferi is a very long amount of time because, you know, time is messed up. Uh, and he like reintegrates a little bit with Zalfir in society. He talks to them. Um, Rin makes it to the Realm Breaker and she helps Teferi by looking for Zalfir in its place out of the multiverse. And she finds it, and she starts pushing Zalfir through the multiverse to hit Phyrexia. Hmm. Um, with her goal that she's going to basically swap Phyrexia and Zalfir out. What? So because, because she made that connection with Teferi a long time ago, she can find him finds him off in Zalfir, basically reaches out to him and says, hey, get everyone ready because I'm about to bring you back. And she uses Realm Breaker uh, to essentially move Phyrexia out of the multiverse into that little pocket where Zalfir was and move Zalfir to where Phyrexia was. So they create a little portal. All of the like surviving people on Phyrexia escape through the portal, including Karn, um, before they leave, uh, Vorinclex gets killed in a fight with Zalfirin who comes through the portal and, like, chops his head off. It's really cool. Uh, another Zalfirin just, like, slams Jin Cataxius with a giant hammer. <laughs> it's just like, you thought you were so smart. We'll meet a hammer. Um, kills him. There's, like, a big fight. Elspeth is an angel, and she's helping everyone. Uh, Realm Breaker also, with Rin's help, kind of reverses the portals. So it's no longer that Phyrexia is invading all the multiverse. Uh, the multiverse is kind of open. And what ends up happening is all of those angels who had been on New Capenna, uh, who had turned themselves into Halo, have been reconstituting themselves and like coming back. And they know how to fight Phyrexia. So they shoot off through the multiverse and start fighting Phyrexia everywhere. So Halo essentially just starts raining down from the sky on every plane, which is... Toxic to Phyrexians and super helpful for everyone fighting them. Uh, so essentially in that one moment, they turn the tide of battle enough to stop every plane from being destroyed. 
Um, some of them do not end up well, but they're not totally lost. Uh, Teferi and Zalfir kind of move into the space where Phyrexia was, and all of Phyrexia is shunted out into the multiverse, and Elish Norn is killed in a beautiful moment at the very end where Koth basically unmakes her Damn. by reducing her into a smear of red on the ground. Um, turns out, Elish Norn, who, as I mentioned earlier, was afraid of Elspeth, uh, had learned fear. And one thing she feared was her other Phyrexians betraying her, which, granted, did happen. Urabrask and Shieldred did betray her. So she, at some point, secretly edited the glistening oil, um, essentially working with Jen Cataxias to make changes in the glistening oil of Phyrexia uh, so that she was the one who, the only one who could really issue orders to Phyrexians. Whoa. Well, when she's killed and Phyrexia is shunted off into Nowhere's Land, all of the Phyrexians who were out in the multiverse lose their connection to Elish Norn and Phyrexia. Oh, snap. So they all just kind of stop. And that means that, like, hey, that fear that Ashiok put into Elish Norn. Turns out is the reason why uh, the planes are saved uh, because Elish Norn had become so paranoid, fearful, yeah. paranoid, yeah, that she made a choice to think I am the most important person in the multiverse, and then she dies. So now all of Frexia is kind of inert. Um, works out great because that means everyone can live. Uh, works out really poorly because before they left Frexia and went to Zalfir, um. Chandra had grabbed Nissa's body because she gets like knocked out, but she's not killed. And uh, Teferi grabs Ajani's body, who also gets knocked out, but not killed. And they pull them through the portal. Um, but they are completely inert. They're not responsive. They're still Phyrexian eyes, right. but like there's, there's nothing there. Uh, there's this great, like, you know, denouement scene where it's like, they're celebrating because they've destroyed Phyrexia, but they're also like really sad because they lost a lot. Um, and the crux, like the crux of this is that they now have a Johnny and they have Nyssa who are completely non-responsive, but could be a threat because they're still right, corrupted. Yeah. So they try and figure out how can we heal them? Well, during that fight, uh, Malira got stabbed and Malira is like on her deathbed oh. and they can't really save her. And Malira gets an idea and she says, hey, I have a little bit of my life left. I can cleanse the corruption from their bodies, but it won't do anything to stop them from being Phyrexians because their corruption goes all the way to their core. Um, but if you can somehow clean up their sparks and their souls uh, that were also, you know, infected, then maybe they can stand a chance. So she uses the last bit of her life energy to cleanse their bodies uh, at the same time that Karn uses some help from Kaya because she's the most capable person in the whole multiverse uh, to sort of extract their, their souls and their sparks along with that so that Karn can use his spark, which was a gift from Vincer, to cleanse their sparks. Because Vincer did that to Koth or Karn a long time ago. So Karn gives up his spark to save both of them. And they wake up and they're not corrupted anymore. 
So far as we can tell, they're still planeswalkers, but Nissa's spark seemed a little bit iffy. Kind of looked like it was falling apart. Um, and we get a beautiful kiss between Chandra and Nissa to end the entire story. Uh, also, Vraska might be still alive. Uh, Luca gets eaten, by the way. Yeah, he goes to Coria and gets eaten <laughs> by, a, by a monster. It's kind of expected. Uh, Nahiri gets uh, falls from a giant sky ruin, gets a whole sky ruin dropped on her. Um, she might be okay. We don't get a body, but like I think she's probably dead unless they show me otherwise. <laughs> Vraska's blood got electrocuted. Uh, Ral invented a device that electrocutes your blood for some reason. Turns out to be real useful against a Phyrexian. Uh, and sticks it on Vraska, who for the entire story, which I think you read, it's the one by Allison. Um, yeah, so she's she's struggling because there's still part of her in there. And it turns out that, you know, Jace did kind of create that memory double of her, the memory reboot back on Ixalan. Um, and that might be what is causing her to have that sort of like trouble being a Phyrexian, but also still being Vraska. Uh, and then she disappears, and we have no idea where Jace is, so fingers crossed. But that is basically the full story. Wow. Or the Spark to March of the Machine. Amazing. Um, any questions? <laughs> uh, no, I think that was very clear. Um, and just, yeah, very straightforward uh, and simple. Um, and uh, thank you for this quick summary and update of uh, uh four plus years of lore that's uh that was really fun um and uh yeah this is this is really exciting and i'm excited to see where magic story goes from here it's it's great to get all caught up uh, and hopefully your listeners uh who like <laughs> me have lapsed and or missed episodes of this podcast or sets of magic also get a chance to get all caught up and then we can all scream into the void about uh, all of our favorite planeswalkers and when they are now yeah, and then also there's the aftermath story. So they're doing this like set that's only fifty cards, um, and it's coming out soon, and like next month or something. And it's called uh, March of the Machine Aftermath. That's fifty cards, but every single card is like a story card. So like Roy and Emily apparently were able to convince them that every single card in this set should just be a story. Like the story should be driving the, the set. Um, so there's 50 cards. It's all, every single one of them is a story card. There will also be fiction that comes out with it, um, starting like May 1st. And there's like a couple of days of stories coming out. And that should answer some of these questions, hopefully, like what's going on with Nissa and Ajani? What's going on with Nahiri or Jace or, uh, Theros where everyone was destroyed, right. um, Turns out Elish Norn wanted Johnny to go to Theros, not because she actually cared about it, as far as we can tell, but because she thought if Elspeth was still out there somewhere, she would go to try and stop Johnny and not stop her. Ah, it was so bait. It was a, it was bait. Oh, uh, Kaya kills Heliod, by the way. Oh, ghost god. Yeah. Ghost girl kills yeah. ghost god. Cool, cool. Rip. Makes total sense, right? Uh, oh, Tamio gets killed, by the way, um, by the Wanderer. She turns into story, though. It's fine. Uh, um, you know, too many feelings to process on that one. So I'm just going to say, <laughs> yep. She she turns into like a walking uh, bunch of letters floating in the air. Yep. 
That's her. Well, thanks for catching me up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to do this again in four years. <laughs> if if I am still making the Vorthos cast in four years, I will definitely catch you up on it. I can't wait. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Uh, that's all for this special bonus thing of not the Vorthos cast. It's something else. Uh, but thank you all for listening. This has been uh, Chris and Yichao yelling about magic. <laughs>